0: The CBD skincare line that's bringing the healing properties of CBD to topical skincare products. We're talking about CBD infused tattoo balm, hemp pain cream for anky muscles, and they've also got this CBD coffee salt scrub for shower time or bath time. These guys are killing it. And uh, they're a big part of this show and their products are amazing and their products work. So go to causemedicated.com, that's C-A-U-S-E, medicated.com, and use promo code SOS20 at checkout for 20% off of your entire order. All right, podcast time. Welcome into South the Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I am the host of this podcast. You found it. You found the show. Thanks for being here. I've, uh, I've got Alan Sims on the show today. He's the Knoxville urban guy from Inside of Knoxville blog. You know it. Uh, the dude is uh, reading the pulse of downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, and then he's uh, telling all of us about it with his long-lived blog, Insidernoxville.com. I have to say that with all the conversations that I've had on this show, this was one of those that uh, had me so curious about so many topics about which I had so many questions. And uh, I happen to have the most uniquely qualified person on the planet sitting right across from me to answer those questions. But then that got me thinking. That's that's what we do here, right? Like that's the that's the ethos. I think that's what this show is: is asking the questions to the person sitting across from me that uh, they're the most qualified person on the planet to answer. That's it. It hit me. Fifty one episodes in, and and apparently, I'm just now learning that that's what uh, that that's what we do here. Glad we know now. And I think uh, Alan and I got into a lot of those kind of if you know you know kind of topics. You dig? You know some of those rumors or or rumblings or those questions like why was that window broken out above mass general store with blood all around it stuff like that that alan knows the answer to all right you guys have been buying some merch i didn't really realize that that stuff was was moving like it is but i appreciate all of you who uh, picked up a piece of merch this year the uh, sos mark Merch. Uh, that's the stuff with the headphones and the compass heading on it. That stuff's been doing particularly well. Uh, in the uh, the women's Bella cut tank tops have been doing great with that uh, logo, and then uh, the super warm SOS hoodies have been doing great too. Uh, and big shots out to to Sarah Loebner who told me that uh, she'd ordered a, a South of tank top, which got me checking in on the merch, and that's when I realized that uh, a lot of it had moved. I didn't really notice. I didn't know that that had happened, and that's awesome. So Sarah also said. Something that that really made me smile. She said, uh, "When Amazon is the king of Christmas, it feels really good to support local." And it's true—the the merch and all that stuff—it really matters to us. It it moves the needle around here. All the all the proceeds that we make from the merch and the Patreon community, we put straight back into the show. While uh, me and Sam Thomas, producer Sam, try to build this thing bigger. Speaking of which, did you uh did you guys like last week's video podcast with Mike McGill? That was a hoot. Well, you guys helped us. Uh, you guys helped us do that by supporting us. I appreciate that a lot. Speaking of Patreon, that's the place where I peel back the curtain a little bit and uh, bring the patrons in for a little bit closer look on the SOS ride. So get involved with that. If you're digging what we're doing here, just go to patreon.com forward slash South of Scruffy. Uh, if you want to support local over the holiday season, we'd love it. But even more than that, just thanks for being here guys. Thanks for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Have a happy holiday season and we'll see you one more time before new years. Well, let's hear it for the man. All right, here we go. Please help me make welcome. Alan Sims.
1: We're doing the Popcast.
0: To hear it. And do you need me really no, close you're, to the mic? You're perfect
1: right Levels there. Levels are okay? Yeah. Good? All right.
0: So you ha- you. this is not your first time in front of a microphone itself. You know, I really actually enjoy... Being in front of a microphone. Really?
1: Yeah. I even even before I was a blogger when I was working in public schools, I was interviewed um a bunch of times on the news just for different reasons, different things would come up. And I always enjoyed
0: television and yeah, being in front of a microphone's good. When I watched your uh your intro video on on the blog, mm-hmm. um it was clear that you're pretty comfortable speaking. It's yeah. good. You're storyteller, it seems like.
1: Well, it's funny. Um I've I've had three different careers, basically. I, I was a counselor for twenty years or so. In schools? Mhm. Most of the time. Not not the whole time, but most of it, which is where I met Alice Crook, your <laughs> mother in law. Um so I did that for about twenty years. I was um, a librarian for about thirteen years. Um and then then I did this and now I've done this for eleven. And it's funny, those sound like such different things, but I've found um As a blogger and doing the radio show and the other things that I've gotten involved in, that those things were really served me well. I mean, my counseling skills, I interview people. So, I mean, you know, that's it couldn't be more perfect. And then I'm constantly having to find information, research things. And as a librarian, you know, that was a big part of the training. So, it's funny how life, you know, kind of takes you in a direction you couldn't have imagined, but it all sort of makes sense when you look back on it.
0: Yeah, it seems like you're the most uniquely qualified person to do what you do.
1: <laughs> it is kind
0: of funny. <laughs> so you're you haven't always been in Knoxville, right? I I was right. A little bit of research I, I did on you. I, I try not to do too much because I like to be surprised mm-hmm. when I hear. Right. You. Right. I do know you're Florida Gator already. I'm sorry, yeah, I wasn't okay.
1: mention that. You brought it up, <laughs> and it is that weekend.
0: Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's it tomorrow. is. Oh, yeah. It is. Oh yeah. Uh, but but I, I heard thirty years ago you moved to knoxville
1: yeah well 40 actually 40 40, yeah moved in 19 uh well 82 so almost 40. the world's fair year
0: Mm -hmm. was it happening
1: when you got here uh it was and so we went once but it was coincidental to us arriving here yeah i'm from mobile alabama gulf coast and um my wife and i moved to gainesville florida for me to do graduate work which is hence the gator connection
0: yeah
1: uh and then in 82 uh, we were broke wherever we lived and jobless, so it sure. didn't matter where we lived. Right. So we looked at a map and started thinking. Uh, I was thinking of graduate school again, another level of graduate school at UT. Um, actually, there were, there were two programs in counseling psychology, and I was, I was looking at the two. There were two in the south. One was in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. What's the college there, Southern Miss? Southern Miss. Yeah. And the other was UT mm-hmm. Knoxville. Well, I'm from Alabama, so I know about Mississippi. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we looked at the map, and I said, oh, yeah, near the mountains. That's where I've always Mm -hmm. wanted to live anyway. So never looked back.
0: Well, you're still here. It says something about
1: it. Oh, we've adored it. Really? You know, this is a great place. We've found it to be a great place to raise a child. And I fell in love with, you know, I've always loved cities, but I fell in love with downtown, even back when it was sort of destitute, back in the 80s and so forth.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, your your blog. You said eleven years you've been doing it. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, it coincides a, a lot with you know the revival of downtown. It does. Quite honestly,
1: I'm, I'm the reason. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can just go ahead and let the secret out now. If we're no, being honest, not at all. Uh, when my wife and I'm. Uh, like I said, I, I went downtown a lot over the years to Elligaroos, and uh, yeah. they had a great series of blues shows at the Bijou, and there was even a Mardi Gras on uh, Central at one point. So we, we went down there. Really, when I look back on it, it seems like a lot for what was not going on in downtown and you know the demise that was happening. But by the time, fast forward to 2009, uh, when we moved downtown, it seemed to us like downtown had been made over and it was fresh and shiny and ready to go
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: i look back at that now and it seems a little humorous cuz it's come so far in mm-hmm. the last 11 years but no the revitalization was already happening we we were already spending all our spare time downtown really mhm in mm-hmm. 2009 and you were living
0: in west Knoxville at the time mm-hmm. okay yeah. cuz you did you guys grow up near bearden did, did you kid go to Bearden? Uh, is mm-hmm. that right yeah. okay right i did right. too so we gr- we grew up out in that out in that area yeah. uh but downtown was somewhere we didn't go until like around sundown in the city mm-hmm. uh kind of timeline is when we started to be aware right. and and there still wasn't a whole lot going on mm-hmm. but it, you know the 100 block was uh, I, I think uh under construction for about 15 years it seemed like when i was in college and and, and after that but yeah you look at it now and even in the last yeah 2009 Eleven years ago, it it is just it's a lot a little bit shinier now. It's a lot shinier now.
1: I, we kind of look back and chuckle on that now. But you know, there were um, there were a few restaurants that had kind of started, and um, the West were already doing their first round of
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, of things. And uh, you know, so we we loved some of those spots, and so we were we were down there quite a bit. Sundown in the city, I mean, that was a big thing for for downtown. I mean, it, because it did put downtown on the map of the radar of a lot mm-hmm. of people. Uh, and I went to just not all of them, but probably ninety five percent of
0: them. Mm-hmm. Have you guys lived in the same place the whole time you've uh, since you moved downtown?
1: No, actually, lived a couple uh, different. We've lived a places. couple of different places. What took us downtown first was there's this wonderful place if people don't know it uh, called Kendrick Place, mm-hmm. and it is gorgeous. It's uh, two rows of seven each in each row. Uh, townhomes. Mm-hmm. It's next and, to
0: Chesapeake's right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the only uh original row of townhomes left in downtown, right in the heart of downtown. There's some just out. And uh they're hundred years old and they're just they're just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So we fell in love with that and that's what got us there. Um, unfortunately they also have three floors each they have a yeah. basement and then two floors above. And so, at a certain point, my wife said, "You know what? I'm I'm kind of tired of going up and downstairs." So yeah. we moved about a year and a half ago and live um, over
0: Mass General Store now. Okay, my my parents live right across the street. Oh um, really? They live in uh, Lerner Lerner Lofts. Lerner Lofts. Yeah. What happened with that window that was busted out with all the blood on it? <laughs> All right, you want a story? I, I would do I want mean, a story. This is a story. I was walking by. Uh-huh. I
1: saw Surf Pro out at the street it, cleaning. It up. turns out I'm the man to tell the story. Are you really? Because I was were, intimately involved. Are were you really? Yes. Okay. So uh, it was a Saturday morning, I think, and mm-hmm, it, was it was about I want to say five a.m. around that, maybe 4.30, something like that. And all of a sudden, in gallery lofts, which is, like I say, above a Mass General store, the the fire alarm goes off in the middle of the night. This is not smoke detector. That's irritating. This was fire alarm for the building. So, of course, everybody's shaken out of a dead sleep, and we all stumble out into the hallways, and then we hear yelling and screaming, and we're told that there is a man who's in the building uh, who doesn't live there oh. and um and it's just kind of chaotic i hear him screaming and he's screaming obscenities and he's screaming something about uh i would never hurt her and i'm thinking oh no hurt somebody Aye. so uh we all kind of scrambled out and i went outside and was the person who placed the 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 call and I uh, got out on the street, and it was stupid. I, I didn't have my phone. I went out there without shoes on, just like wasn't thinking at all, separated from my wife. I, I left her on the hallway where she was doing something else. I don't know what she was doing. And so it was kind of crazy. So we got out there, and the guy I was with, one of my neighbors, said, hey, you want to use my phone to call 911? I said, well, okay. Thinking. I don't, you just you call could me. call 911, but I, it's cool. In the moment, I didn't even like question. Yeah. It's like, of course I do. So I called 911 and uh, st- started describing to them what was going on, this screaming and this yelling. And then I was standing under an awning right outside of DIA. Um, the architecture firm has an entrance onto Gay Street, and I was just under the edge of that awning when I heard an explosion of glass. Mm-hmm. And glass, the whole pain came raining down mm-hmm. and hit me in the shoulder. And fortunately, the awning took the brunt of it because I still have pain in that shoulder. Really? Th- that was months ago. From yeah. the glass hitting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it hit, but the adrenaline was flowing so much, I thought, well, that was, well, that was close. Did it cut you or anything
0: like it that? It
1: did, yeah. Oh, so man. I was bleeding. So I mean, it wasn't bleeding badly. It didn't right. cut me badly. If I had been not standing under the awning i might been not have s- been here today really i mean it was really that that big a deal
0: yeah so that's a third story right yeah. yeah
1: so the guy broke in off the street he just muscled his way through that doorway on the on the gay street on side On the gay street side okay. and that and then went in and i don't know if he set off the alarm i think he actually set off the fire alarm himself he was he not, was losing it he yeah. was not with us <laughs> right. that night um i'm doubt he remembers it right um so uh, then he was screaming and yelling, and the, finally the police got there and talked him down and took him away in an ambulance. Unfortunately, there's a coda to the story, and this is this
0: is a good story.
1: Um, the coda is that about three weeks later, there was a woman killed in South Knoxville, and he was the guy. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was.
1: So or huh. I say killed. She was shot. I'm
0: not recalling. You're not sure if she made it or, or she not? She died or not. But, so... How, why did he break the glass? How did the glass get broken? Nobody knows. Nobody and I knows. doubt he knows. Is that was that in in the stairwell? Mm-hmm. Okay. But he did not go through the window. Or he, he would have landed on you he instead of the glass. Uh,
1: yeah, well he I would have been gone by the time he well, I guess if he had come through with the glass, yes, he would have landed on me. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, they talked him down and, and got him out of there. It was you know, it was quite sad just thinking who is this person and what what has brought them to this moment
0: yeah i I was going to see my parents and i and I saw the serve pro trucks there the, you know hazmat people and, and he and had I, bled all over the the stairwell it, really and mm. the window too yeah it, the, there was a hole in the window that was probably about i don't know a couple feet in diameter mm-hmm. and it looked like somebody went through it yeah I don't think he went through he didn't go he through didn't it. he or he would have hit the awning right yeah. but he uh but he smashed it so yeah. you know
1: I, I guess to to bring it full circle back to downtown and and so forth um it it's just one of those Elements of reality, you know. There, yeah. The reason I love cities and have since I was a small child, I think, is because it's the best and worst of everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's all of humanity on display. You Distillate. can't pretend everything's perfect, um, but you can also get the best of everything in a city. You know, the best food. You know, whatever it is. Right. And um, but then there's always that reality. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, it's one of those real moments. And I thought about it later that night. I thought, you know uh people tend to think of people in the city as oh they're soft da, da, da. in a way it's like we all went back to our condos nobody moved nobody right. put their place up for sale nobody you know it's right. like okay it's another day in the city well wow, that was crazy mm-hmm. and we move on
0: yeah i it, you do you do uh accumulate tolerance i feel like living downtown i lived in uh let's see right after sarah and i got married we lived in the daylight Building oh, okay. on the side where the uh, where the uh, through the gate there, where right. they exit mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. to the little courtyard, and we loved it, man. We loved it. The, the The problem was we'd go walk our dog at you know before bed, and we'd end up on the porch at Preservation Pub till two o'clock in the morning, you know, because That's there's a danger, yeah. so much to do all the time, and It's so it's, mo- it's it, there's you know, I think it was Will Wright that said it's as what did he say? It's as as, as big of a town or as small of a city as you want it to be, or. Or feel like uh, it's got just enough, right, you know, right, to be dangerous. <laughs>
1: it is. It is. I you know when we moved down there, we had to really uh, kind of recalibrate because there was always something happening, even in nine. And of course, it just accumulated after that. But when you're um, when you're in your West Knoxville home or South Knoxville home, and it's you know you th- oh something's happening at the pub or something's happening mm-hmm. you know wherever. Yeah, I'm not going to get in the car and go down there. But when you're already down there. You sort of yep. feel like I'm wasting this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I should I should be doing that, mm-hmm. but but
0: at some point you have to call it because you can't do it every night. Yeah, you know? and you can't do it. You can't do it all, um, and it's become so much more walkable. Uh, we had one car when we lived down there. My office was down there. It was it was really it. We, tr- I mean, it was like living in Manhattan. You know, functionally, it kind of felt like that. You right. Know? It's like a, it's like a small part of a of a big city. Yeah. If you just think about it like that, to to what we'll say. Yeah. Um, did you do the uh, the uh, Best Behavior Creative Club podcast with uh, I did. with Chris? Yeah, with Chris. Yeah. He was here a couple weeks ago, and uh, I remember seeing your name. Uh, on there and I thought man that was my idea I wanted to I wanted to have Alan on mm-hmm.
1: first you know it's so fun how things go in circles in this city you know it, it also can drive, be maddening at times but it's it's also fun to see all the different connections like me knowing your mother-in-law yeah. I and mean, that wouldn't happen <laughs> if we were in Manhattan probably right. Right, right. Um, but with Chris I was at the first Cha that was oh, yeah. ever done and it was at the West Jackson workshops Okay. and uh, Chris oh. was one of the speakers that okay. night of course he was of course he was <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he was crazy he was bizarre <laughs> he was chris you know he was just he was himself and he talked about Johnny Cash, and he talked about all these different things, and he moved, and he never stopped, and, and that that, that uh, frenetic word flow. And by the time it was over, I wasn't sure what he was talking about, but I really liked it a lot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so see, he and I have had opportunities to connect since then, and it's, it's just nice for, you know, you, you see somebody like that, and think, oh, that's a really interesting person. And ultimately, you're going to
0: know them. Sure. Which is nice. Yeah. I, I'm trying to get the the who's who lineup on my on my podcast. You know, I, I'm trying to think of people. You know, to say that you have inspired me is 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 very true. Um, because I think you've taken these these you know, these stories that don't aren't readily told, and you've mm-hmm. dug into them, and they're interesting to a lot of people. And. You know, I think the way that the way that I I think you landed on it was that you were you were hungry for that kind of information and couldn't find it anywhere. That's true. And I I think that um, I just love I just love what you do with the with the blog. And would you would you consider is is any part of it investigative? Do you think or is it uh, or is it I would say it's rarely investigated. Mm-hmm. You know, um, did I read some like was it when the French Market stuff with the Dovers was going down? Mm-hmm. I, I read some some of that, which which blew my mind when I when I read it. Right, but but to me, um, that wasn't the kind of story that I had come to know right. inside of Knoxville for. Right, but it was very informative and very interesting. Well, I you know uh, I started out.
1: Uh, with no idea that I'd have an audience Mm. you know I mean I thought this is going to be fun I'm going to sort of document the cool funky things that I see on the street was sort of how I thought about it Mm -hmm. never intended to do a lot of the kinds of things I've done and um, pretty quickly started feeling like Again, to get back to the roots of why I like cities, I like cities because they're so honest. It's such a complete picture of humanity right there at your doorstep. Mm-hmm. And so to be honest with my readers, which I, I was surprised that I did actually have readers pretty quickly, um, I felt like I had to tell the whole story, not just part of the story. Mm. So I did a series on homelessness pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to the different ministers in the area and volunteers of America, and, you know, all the people, and um, volunteer ministries, rather and um, put together a series of articles about that. I'm a more serious person uh, than not, so uh, there was no way that I was going to ultimately avoid serious topics. Right. Um, a big turning point early in the blog was uh, in August of 10, uh, neo-Nazis came to town and did a march, mm. and mm. I photographed that to pieces and got a lot of kind of accolades for my coverage of that Excellent. people said they hadn't seen that much coverage of it anywhere else and that kind of thing so that sort of set me on a trajectory and as i got better known you know businesses um were more open to me interviewing them mm. and you know so and developers were more open to me going into their buildings as, sure. as they did them so it was part of that and but as far as being investigative i think you know there's there's such a great loss of that in media i just there's so little investigative journalism of high quality i'm real thankful for compass i think that's probably the closest we've got to it right Mm -hmm. now um but i don't have as a one-man show the time i don't have the bandwidth
0: to do that it's pretty wild you you hear some of these some of these stories um uh, just off the top of my head like some of the the uh serial podcast or something like that i mean these are years yes you know that, that people study this stuff to make something that is you know eight episodes longer exactly know, eight hours and, it, and it's like it's, it's pretty wild you I gotta make a, a living in the meantime i was in a zoom <laughs> meeting uh, the other day with
1: um, journalists local journalists that compass actually put together and um, there was a woman who said she worked for i don't know if it was the tennesseean but a nashville newspaper years ago and she was given six months to write a story about a particular thing that they they knew needed to be investigated. Right. So they said, okay, you've got six months, what resources do you need, et cetera. And the reality now is that, um, you know, you're as good as your last click. Sure. And so you've got to constantly generate content. If I spent the next six months working on a story and didn't do anything for six months, nobody would ever see the story because my readers would all be gone. Right. So it has to be constant, and I find with that kind of pace, I just don't have the bandwidth for it. Makes sense. Yeah, I've done a little bit of it. There was a one, a couple of pieces I was kind of proud of. One was about SawWorks Brewing. I remember that too. Yeah. That was fantastic. I did a three part. I forgot on about that, that. Uh, and that took a lot of time. It I was bet really it did. Really hard. I it spent, was so interesting, Alan. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I spent probably two months. Putting that together. But the issue is, again, you've got to, while you're doing that, you've got to also be putting out all these other articles, you know, and that was the hard part. Uh, And then I did one on uh, there were uh, actual live munitions being stored in the old city.
0: Mm, uh, yeah. Like uh, across the street from like Remedy Coffee Shop or Awaken, yep, right mm-hmm, there. Right. I remember that too. Or do I know everything I know about downtown Knoxville ma- ma- from maybe, you? <laughs> maybe you know everything I've ever written. We have nothing else to say to each well, other. Well, what, what happened?
1: What with with that? So uh, it was very interesting. Um, somebody told me that the people who were using that address were connected somehow to the Columbine shooting. Hmm. And so that's I,
0: the only thing you heard. That's really it. all that's, I, I
1: heard. Hey, there are wow. people over there who were connected to that, who sold them the you know, ammunition or whatever. Okay. Well, that that turned out to probably not be true, although it got murky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started looking into the address, just doing web searches for the address and so forth. Uh, Oak Ridge Schools financed an entire day of work on that, and I appreciate them. I'll <laughs> give them a shout-out right now. They didn't know it at the time. but um, That's why they can't give you six months to write something that's out. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, I spent a whole day uh, just kind of digging into it, and then I would find this ship. I found, like, records of shipments and stuff of multiple pallets full of munitions being sent to this address. And so I just, you know, accumulated everything that I found and and put it out there, um, and touched a few nerves. I got a little bit of blowback from some mystery kind of blogger person or something who is somehow connected. I never really got to the bottom of everything. An inv- a, a faceless person. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, he said you've you've you know, I'm connected, but I'm not what you said, or what you know, it was something oh, okay. like that. Like, so anyway. Um, that was interesting, but the upshot was that uh, I was told by the city that it was not illegal for them to store pallets and pallets and pallets of munitions there. Mm. They also are um, – they do sell guns. Uh, if I call them an arms dealer, I guess that might be uh, – I would get blowback on my blog if I ever did something like that. But they, they sold guns, including um, you know the kind of weapons that are often used in mass shootings and so mm-hmm. forth. And, um so it exposed that they moved out of downtown, but they're still around, really yeah was it in the in the Daniel in that building downstairs uh, it was in part of that building Import somewhere yeah and okay. I, I think the owners were the same yeah it's a uh, place has gotten quite a facelift as well <laughs> it has it has I mean it's amazing what what has happened uh, as far as that kind of thing goes, yeah.
0: but yeah, that was a, was a, a factory at the time, so with those you know those few uh, we'll call them investigative journalism stories the sawworks the uh, munitions uh the not arms dealer um do you worry about ruffling feathers or do you worry about um upsetting the wrong people
1: i kind of do i mean mm-hmm. i am not super brave or anything right. i'm not like uh, wanting to take on some some big forces out there or whatever um I, and I'm not built that way. I mean, I don't like confrontation. Okay. I'm not a typical social social media person. I've gotten better with sort of deflecting and diffusing and, you know, that kind of thing. I've always insisted that my comments on my blog will not be attacking other people.
0: Good.
1: Sometimes that phrase a bit around the edges and I have to re- rein people in. You mean from a moderation standpoint, mm-hmm. from moderating the comments? Right, yeah. right. Okay. I mean, I think – I think in some respects, and and I don't want to overinflate it, but I think the blog is super important because I think um, for several reasons that I couldn't have anticipated, I think it brings people together to talk about things, uh, brings people together who would not have gotten together to talk about topics. Mm. So with the COVID coverage, that's certainly been the case. I've had a lot of people um, who – don't believe any of the numbers, for example. Right. And so they get on there and they challenge and, and people push back and so forth. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing as long as they aren't being hateful to each other. Sure. Um, so that's been good. Another example is I, I write a lot about um, you know, development. And so that that means buildings being renovated and restored and brought back to life and that kind of thing. And a lot of times, those conversations um, lead to those articles lead to conversations between architects and people who just like buildings, or people who mm. don't get it, right? And think, well, this is stupid. And then I actually I have actual arch- architects who are readers who respond and say, well, no, it's really not stupid. Here's why. And where else are you going to talk to an architect, you know? <laughs>
0: exactly. In um, the comments of the in some Yeah, that people. happens
1: a lot of times. <laughs> That's and, cool. And uh, government officials, a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a city council person will wade into a conversation that where somebody's, you know, the typical railing against the city for mm-hmm. something, and quite often in uninformed uh, ways, and uh, then the city official will, will go back. I remember uh, having conversations like that about um, tax deferments that a lot of the businesses, their developers mm-hmm. get. And people saying, oh, it's a waste of our money, blah, blah, blah. And one of the city officials came on there and said, well, it's not a waste. It's not a use of your money. It, it's just that's not money we're spending. It's money they don't have to pay, yeah. and it allows them to do this stuff. Right. And,
0: you know, maybe somebody heard that. Any word on the, uh, the church up on 5th uh, that backs up to Emory Place? Yeah. Um, it's being used as a church. Really?
1: It's kind of surprising to me, and I I have not looked into it to know the details, but I do remember uh, when it was purchased Mm -hmm. that the church, if I understood correctly, um, said, you know, no restrictions from us except that we don't want it to be a church Mm. after our church leaves. Because the first Christian had been there for 80, 100 years, something like that. I think close to 100. Really?
0: And – so I was surprised to see it turn back into a church. Yeah. I uh yeah, I used to live in Park Ridge and mm-hmm. um you know it's in the historic overlay where our, where our neighborhood was. And so if you did anything to the exterior of your house, you had to go to the MPC, the Metro Planning Commission, and meet with Kay Graybeal and tell her what you were going to do and right. get the get the note and all that. And I remember I was sitting in her office and I looked down and there was a stack of papers on the floor and there was a photo of the First Christian Church in a in a, a packet and it said the Ryman of Knoxville mm-hmm. and it was a proposal. <laughs> that was
1: a great one when that was talked about. That was exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and it may come come to be yet. I don't know if the church is in there permanently or if it's a stop along their way towards something else or what. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful building. It is, and, I'm and glad a great location. Yeah, and I'm glad it's being
0: maintained and not yep. neglected. And do you, do you think that... Yeah, look at Chattanooga. Chattanooga has had both sides of the riverfront developed for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, downtown Knoxville has very much felt the squeeze of the interstate and the riverfront. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like we're finally getting through those hard barriers or do you think like it's do you think it's a slow seep kind (laughs) of up central best it's
1: a slow seep i think you know we've gotten past the interstate better than than we've dealt with the river Mm -hmm. i mean you can't get past the river i mean really really, the river's there and that's good i'm glad it's there but um i personally i would love to see a lot more thoughtful long-term planned development along the river um
0: yeah, me too. I you know, I hear I, f- I forget where I heard it, but you know, the river used used to be, you know, used to signify commerce, just like mm-hmm. railway did, you mm-hmm. know. Um but that's really not not the way commerce travels as much anymore. Not it's, as much. It's, now the internet is the uh is right. the river or the or the rail, and that's mm-hmm. another reason that a city like Chattanooga, you know, has done so well with EPB the electric power board you know tapping into that fiber that they've got there right and and making it accessible to the entire town and building that infrastructure that is um it's very attractive to 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 businesses especially i'm in the film and television business the Mm. video is big 4k video is big being able to upload and download that stuff quickly you know being in chattanooga would save our company you know tens of thousands of dollars a year in time wow (laughs) you know so uh it's it's drawn you know some tech some kind of tech startups do you know of any kind of any kind of advantage that you think that we're going to try to work on to to kind of compete and to kind of bring those uh to bring those get a, get another axel logistics in here for instance right. you know what i mean a young mm. company with young culture um, do do you see us making any kind of moves in that in that direction you know
1: in fairness i have to say there could be things going on of which i am totally unaware Mm -hmm. so i can't really say there isn't something i would say that the proof is uh, so so far uh, implies to me that um or or what has happened so far implies to me that we're going to do more of that organically like axel or Mm -hmm. whatever right um you know, there's several really great companies that have started here, and I think if we can hold them, there might be some synergy where others come sure. here. But you know, clearly we've not been competitive with broadband. We've not we've not made the move there. I think that we need to make even to make it more simple than broadband. Though, looking at what Chattanooga did, Chattanooga removed an entire road. So that they could develop the north side, the south side, I think it is, of the river. And we've got a similar road. We've got Neelan that mm-hmm. goes along the north side of our river. And it's there for eight days a year. That's what it, it's there for, it to really take is. traffic in and out of mm-hmm. football games. Same as
0: James White Parkway, right? Right. Pretty and much. if you,
1: to me, if you cut Nealon in half, mm-hmm and just made it two-way on one side, and then on game day made it one way in and one way out, like Lexington does, a lot of other cities do. Nashville may do that. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, yeah, they do, around Vanderbilt, that's right. All of a sudden, you've got whatever space was taken up by those two lanes plus the rest of the way down to the river to actually do some development that might draw people down. Can you imagine if we had the kind of uh, restaurants and and just other development that people enjoy down there
0: on a game day. I've never thought about that before, but I've looked at a map so many times and seen how many miles of river frontage that is right there. Mm -hmm. That is just – it's all the University of Tennessee, you know, seemingly. Right. And, uh, you know, sewage treatment (laughs) or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that's, that's a great thought, Alan, because I, I always think about the other side. I always think about you know, Baptist Hospital, um, mm. you know, where it went away. And right. um, I, don't, I don't think about what's, what's right there with us on this well, side. Well, you know, I hear people talk about south waterfront
1: development, and I'm thinking, we haven't done the north. <laughs> what are, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. That's true. It's a There's a walking trail along part of it. Yeah, well, that's, exactly. That's nice.
0: Yeah. There's a Calhoun's and a Ruth's Chris and a Greenway. Right in a rowing club.
1: Right, I mean, you think about a city like Savannah and their waterfront. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are just so many great examples of, of waterfronts that are just thriving. Sure, and we
0: act as if ours isn't there. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it it is. It it's 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 maddening, um, but. You know, there's there's so much, I don't know, it's opportunity, I guess. Uh, but it would be it'd be a huge undertaking. Do you think we would ever do something like that? Mm-hmm. I don't either. No. Don't but but Chattanooga way. did. I mean, other cities yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Greenville, South Carolina made used to live a in long-term Greenville. plan and stuck to it, and they were they were – almost rigid about making developers do development in a certain kind of way. And they've got this incredible asset now. And so it can be done, but I don't, I personally don't think that um, East Tennessee Knoxville has the political will. I mean, we're just not a progressive um, larger area. I think
0: downtown is somewhat progressive, but. Do you think the university of Tennessee has so much influence that that the city is almost secondary or less powerful. There
1: are several entities that have a lot of power, and UT is one of them. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, UT has not been a friend to preservation.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, if you look at Fort Sanders and what they've knocked down there, right, and even on on the other side of um, Cumberland on campus, um, a lot of times I think we're held back by the University of Tennessee mm-hmm. and I I say that with full recognition of all the benefits we get from sure. having the University of Tennessee and I have a degree from there as well as from Florida and you know so I don't have anything against the university but it seems like sometimes it's an outside influence uh, outsized influence on yeah.
0: what we do yeah uh, I wonder if you know having the the interim tag pulled off of of Randy Boyd you know, he's a guy that seemingly cares about Knoxville. He's a guy that seemingly um, has a pretty decent head on his shoulders as far as being a pro-business kind of guy. Do you think that'll make any difference with the university's relationship to the city at large? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I have no idea.
0: <laughs> and,
1: I, you know, I don't know him. I've met him uh Certainly, I would agree with your description of him, and you know, I, I guess I would have some hope. But there has to be somebody. I guess the thing that I, I see that we've got in spades is um, kind of a slow determination to make things happen, and and so incrementally mm. look at what's happened to downtown. Mm. It's been great. Sure. What I think we're sometimes missing, um, and and I've said this to mayors actually, um, is is the big vision. It's that 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 moonshot kind of thing, like, okay, wow, look at this riverfront. What let's imagine what we could do and then let's do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had uh, organizations come in, planning organizations and so forth, uh, and and talk to us about our downtown and how you could reconfigure or, or mm-hmm. work through some of those barriers you mentioned. Another one is Henley Street, big mm-hmm. barrier for downtown. And um yeah. we listen to them
0: and they go away and we never do it. Yeah, I remember an independent study that was that was done probably – I remember, uh, Alan, it was probably your blog that that I read about it. It was. was it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, the thing that I really took away was the kind of three-fold approach to the Coliseum mm-hmm. that there was, which was do nothing, mm-hmm. facelift it. Do something huge <laughs> right, you know? right
1: and then that same same group said uh, do something to Main Street because it's it's dead after five o'clock when all the lawyers go home mm-hmm. uh, they said get rid of Henley Street downsize it slow it down put commerce there again make it come alive again I mean they said several things
0: and here we, we didn't are, do any here of them? we
1: are six years later. You know, five years later whatever it is and none of it
0: has happened not a bit of it
1: that's and interesting it, and nobody has any it? plans
0: to make it happen is it money is it leadership I mean it's obviously leadership but I mean is it what what what' what are our <laughs> what are our barriers here? I'm not sure what it is I mean w- w- there have to be people who
1: have vision uh, but it it feels like a lack of vision a lack of a like a big picture kind of mm. this is what Knoxville could be you know I think for years, and uh, Kim Trent was the first person I heard say this. She may not have been the first person to say it, but uh, it was when she was uh, head of Knox Heritage. She said that that Knoxville has a self-image problem. Uh, we we see ourselves as not really worthy of great things, but, mm. you know, nice things were okay if you don't mind giving them to me, you know, that kind of attitude. I agree with that statement. You know, statement. like That's a so developer's going to do something, and it's pretty okay, and well, thanks. We really appreciate that. <laughs> you know, there's no, hey, wait a minute. We're in Knoxville. You don't, you don't build that here. Mm. You're going to have to up your game on right. that if you want to build. If you want to get tax credits from us, then you're going to do this. Instead, yeah. we say, okay, these are the things we want all developers to do. And then developers say, well, I can't do these three of the mm-hmm. four things. And we say, well,
0: Okay. I mean that's it. <laughs> yeah, or they say they're going to do something and maybe don't. <laughs> exactly. And we accept that. Yeah. And places like Greenville don't. Right. Um I when I lived in Greenville, South Carolina, it was it was after all the it, it was after the Renaissance had taken place down there, mm-hmm. but from what I understand, it all started with the bridge. It all started with building a single sided suspension bridge that was somewhat of an architectural marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it bridged a park uh, on on one side of uh, the river to their downtown, uh, which was walkable but not very developed. And next thing you know, they've got a minor league baseball stadium built three blocks away. And then that is just the impetus for for development further in that direction, um, and it, it just it makes you it makes you wonder why them they're smaller than they're a smaller town than us, you definitely. Know? Um, socioeconomically, you got to think we're similar. Uh, the thing that they that they do have there some big corporations like Michelin, mm-hmm. uh, and and some some other you know auto manufacturing uh, mm-hmm. with lots of money mm-hmm. and foreign foreign money too, but. But why not us? and and that's what I always thought living there. And I mean, it, it, to the point where the Greenville Drive, a single A baseball stadium, they they a uh, uh, Boston Red Sox affiliate, they built a 27 foot mini, Big green monster in left field. You know, it's like just it. It it, it just took that little bit to mm-hmm. make it a, make it something that people wanted to go to and see. Right. And people did it. People went and hung out on Dollar Beer Night. People mm-hmm. went to went to dinner and went to the baseball stadium. Which right. I, I guess the next play, next question I'll ask you is: Is it really going to happen at Knoxville Salvage?
1: Well, I'll, I'll I'll say honestly, I don't really have any kind of inside information. Do you on ho- that. Do you hope it does? Um. Yes. If. It's done well, and the proposals that's been you know published different places, and I haven't tackled this yet. I will at some point, um, maybe soon, because they're they're really getting down to some serious steps now. Like they're, really, yeah, they're, they're, they'll have to close Willow probably, right? I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how it's uh, positioned, but. Um, but yeah, the the uh city and the county are in in the next couple of weeks I think voting on forming a sports commission mm. which would be the entity that would you know kind of see it through. So I think it's going to happen, I really do. And I think it can be really good. Mm-hmm. The plans as announced, you know, here we go with this is what we say now or yeah. we're going to say the same thing when right. it's being done. But the the plans as announced sound great. Yeah. My concerns with it have been that in some cities, a baseball stadium creates a dead zone. You know, it's used, what, 30 nights a year or something Probably. like that? Mm-hmm. And it's all all active and crazy on those 30 nights a year, mm-hmm. but every day it's dead, and every mm-hmm. night but those 30, it's dead, and that's a disaster. Uh, we have a very small footprint for our downtown, as you said, because of those barriers and partially because of the barriers, and um, if we kill a major section of it that's adjacent to it, then mm-hmm. we've really messed up. If we have an ocean of parking lot out there, for example, then we've really messed up. The proposal isn't for that. Mm-hmm. The proposal is for it to be lined with shops. It's really a, it's a really attractive design, and for for um, condos to be built adjacent to it, mm-hmm. and you know, a really major spur for
0: development there. But there's nothing going on there now, right? True. So, so if you do build a baseball stadium there, the thing that it takes away is the potential, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so it's it's a very big decision. I think the potential is an important variable there. Right. Yeah, I mean,
1: granted, right now it's pretty much dead space, mm-hmm. um, but. The, that's not why it's valuable why it's valuable is that we've as you said we've been easing past those barriers in every direction more so on the north side and which is close to there than than anywhere else and um so i, I just think that can be a you know if downtown is manhattan that can be brooklyn i mean yeah. it
0: really could be yep and i'll tell you what um you know Brandy Boyd started slowly buying some of that land when I was living over in Park Ridge, and I was really excited, mm-hmm. you know, because that could be great for that community, which used to have a baseball field right next to it. Right. But it wasn't a great, you know, it wasn't a, a a nice part of town then. People had put a lot of, of money into. We went there. I mean, we we took our kid there. We mm-hmm. we liked it. Bill Meyer Stadium is mm-hmm. that what it was called? Yeah. I went there a lot too because I was a huge baseball fan mm-hmm. when the Braves were doing great yeah. in the nineties, and and all that. Um, but that but that area, you know, people have have. Uh, put a lot of money into you know that the houses and the businesses. or mm-hmm. some big, uh, big project on the Magnolia Corridor there to kind of right. do some sidewalk stuff, some median. So I think written. what's
1: at stake there is: do we want to build a big additional dead zone barrier mm. between downtown and Park Ridge, right. or do we want to build a connecting point right. between those two? Mm-hmm. If we wind up with a connecting point then our downtown becomes like harder to define than it is yeah. now. Like the
0: barriers just keep kind of crumbling. But the, uh, the Wrigleyville uh, scenario would would help bridge those two areas if mm. that's what happens, right? Right. right. If it, it becomes it mixed use kind of space.
1: Absolutely. If there are places that people go when there's not a baseball game, mm.
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and people live there and, and, and continue to shop and live there, um, play there. Uh, and, and also use of the stadium is a big deal. If it's just used those 30 nights mm-hmm. a year, that's not a good thing. Right. If it's used for concerts and it's used for mm-hmm. other things that sure builds community and builds foot traffic and then it's good.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, to go back to Greenville, you know, the, the, um, University of South Carolina and Clemson would play a game at the Greenville drive stadium every year, A neutral site mm-hmm. game, you mm-hmm. know, uh, things like that. Or, um, you know the state championship for 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 baseball. There's other kinds of, you know, big kind of uh, uh, tourism centric uh, things that could happen outside of you know a, a Tuesday night baseball game thirty times a year, like you said. Right, that would be a great thing. It, that would be. It feels like. But to your point, the stakes are high, mm-hmm. and it needs we, to, we need to get this right. Yeah, we need to we need to get it right. right and and we it's, get another shot at this. Right. Um, it's 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 probably the since the convention center probably the biggest kind of undertaking that our city would have set about right probably probably was that a mistake the convention center looking
1: back at it that's so hard to say you know there are a lot of things that happen at the convention center that people never know about right um pretty big groups that come and go and since you're not you know if it's if it's a bunch of bowlers and i'm not into bowling exactly i don't know they were in town yeah you know and what i understand um from my friends who know about it, is that that happens a lot, and it's right. been booked really well,
0: much better than people realize. Mm-hmm. And so then you, the, the idea there is that hotel taxes uh, kind of help go go back in into that. Yeah, that the thing
1: that I think was really, and this is selfish of me to say, probably, but the most damaging thing to me about the convention center was, with the financing, came that entertainment tax. And the entertainment tax drives up every concert uh, ticket price that you buy. Every every ticket you buy uh, is pretty significantly inflated by that tax. Really, And, and problem, that's going to pay back the convention exactly, center? Okay. The, the debt on the convention center. And the problem with that is that it makes certain artists unable to come here. Mm-hmm. Because Cause cause the ticket price is higher than they can command to make as much money as they need to fill up the – tennessee theater or whatever it is Mm. i didn't know about that yeah so you see a lot of artists skip us Mm -hmm. we never get to see them yeah and Mm. i'm a big music fan i am too and we have
0: some great indoor venues here we do um i would love a great outdoor venue here do you think that's gonna happen um, a baseball stadium. Would be a good baseball stadium is mid-sign. one example. I
1: mean, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know how many seats it'll have, but yeah, that could draw some pretty significant mm. artists. Uh, but you know what the what the city did with World's Fair Lawn was pretty major, and I think the idea was that's going to become a regular scene for outdoor concerts. Like do you remember the be. Hot Summer Nights Of course concert? I do. I saw some fabulous Me shows Me too. There. I did
0: too. I was young. I was nine years old ah. at my first concert. I saw Dave Matthews' band. Oh, and, Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. I saw Sheryl Crow there. Yes, I saw I did John too.
1: Fogarty there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santana there. The Neville mm-hmm. Brothers there. I mean, it was, it was great. And it was cheap. Yep. Tickets were good.
0: And if you couldn't afford it, you could sit on the bridge and listen. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, so now the city, you know, if you remember that era, then you remember that one of the big problems was when there had been a rain, it was a disaster because mm-hmm. it was marshy almost down there close to the stage. Mm-hmm. And now the city has installed an incredible drainage system for really? that whole hillside. They've put in um, I don't know, a walkway around the entire thing so that vendors can set up and, and you can can walk around the infield and not, you know, get in everybody's way. And they've got a um, – they've short up the the end where the stage was before mm-hmm. for, for stages and for and for tractor trailer trucks to be able to haul equipment in, so it's ready. Unfortunately, bad timing. It was bad timing. COVID yeah. COVID hit not too long after they got it all geared up.
0: Yeah, I remember the the last concert I was I was scheduled to go go to there it was probably about ten years ago. I think it was Almond Brothers and widespread panic at yeah. uh at the uh, World's Fair Park, and it rained the day before, and they moved it to the Coliseum. Mm. I was like, man, this is a bit of, little bit of a letdown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Isn't that incredible, though? Just the the artists that we've just named that were there.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that was a great, great series. We but,
0: have Ashley Caps to thank for a lot of that, right? Yep. Do
1: you know him? I do. Yeah, yeah Ashley and I have become friends. It's, it's again, it's one of those kinds of things where you've heard of this person, you know, sure. kind of thing in Knoxville, yeah. and then eventually mm-hmm. you know them because mm-hmm. that's just the way it is I, I first saw Ashley and knew who he was because of Ella Elegaroos which yep. was another and you know, if we're talking about great concert moments in Knoxville
0: history mm-hmm. that was a huge one it was
1: before my time um, late 80s early 90s yeah, that's when I, that happened
0: yeah I wasn't old enough to go in there mm-hmm. uh, but I hear you know everybody's got a good story about it and uh,
1: Bela Fleck and the Flecktones first concert there <laughs> I mean you know <laughs> I saw John Lee Hooker there. I hung out with John Lee Hooker. Uh, you could just do stuff like that. Odetta, who is an artist that you may not know, but from the 50s, um, an icon in the folk, folk music world and um, and civil rights. She was very involved in civil rights and friends with Bob Dylan, who is my hero. Um, I, I chatted with Odetta at her table. I mean, it was just amazing. It was a great Great place. I look back on it now with great regret that I didn't go to more shows. Really? Do we have something like that now?
0: No, no. Mm-mm. Was it no. just a club? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, with tickets. I mean, you, you, tickets were probably twenty dollars. They were, you know, then I was living in South Knoxville. I was really poor, and I, I, I really couldn't afford to go to a bunch of them. So that's mm-hmm. why I didn't see more shows than I did. But I mean, it was a steal. For who you were seeing in an right. intimate setting, I mean, it was—I don't know how many people could fit in there. In my memory, it's like seventy-five. Wow, maybe. Wow,
0: yeah. John Lee Hooker with seventy-five it, people. Right. Uh, Delbert McClinton, I believe. I've, I've heard of a pretty epic show there, mm-hmm. uh, but. I also heard that those days, you know, those were the tough years for Ashley too. People mm-hmm. don't get where they, to where he is, you know, without going through some tough ones, and that was grinding it out um, right. for him, from from what I understand. And um, well, ultimately, Alleghenies
1: went out of business. He moved it a couple of times, and then it went out of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah,
0: but then he then you know co created one of the most influential music events in the United States ever. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty amazing. It is, and you know that's a kind of a
1: Knoxville story that's not told. I mean, there are a lot of people from here that have done big things like that that people just don't associate with Knoxville.
0: I would love to tell that story. You know, I, I would I would love to get Ashley to tell that story because, you know, I've really, I really, it, just like you, I appreciate what he's done for our community and and it's while you know you, you you get your name in the paper and and you know Rolling Stone writes about you and the New York Times writes about Big Ears and you know and all that but it is somewhat of a thankless job at the end you know you're mm-hmm. you're propping other people up mm-hmm. um and i really appreciate what what he's what he's done he's a Knoxville
1: hero he he is <clears throat> I mean Big Ears, how improbable is it that Big Ears would be in Knoxville, Tennessee? Mm-hmm. And there's only one reason that Big Ears is in
0: that it Big Ears exists mm-hmm. and that Big Ears is where it is, and mm-hmm. that's Ashley Caps. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Big Ears before, and I was supposed to go this year. I had a guest on my show. I there was this running joke where I would where uh I would have somebody on who had either played Big Ears or they'd, they'd you know worked there or whatever, and they'd say, "What do you mean? What do you mean you've never been to Big Ears?" And I'm so surprised too. Yeah, somebody offered to offered to take me. He had he had my ticket. Mm-hmm. We were ready to go, and it got got canceled this year. And and so that's that's a, a bit of of something that worries me a little bit. I feel like live music is is because of Ashley and because of others too. It's it's quite a big part of our identity here, and I wonder what this. Moving forward, what that means with concerts not seeming like a uh, safe thing to do in the foreseeable future, how much of how much of our identity hmm. and how much of our, you know, culture as a city kind of gets, you know, either diluted or gets pause pressed on it for a minute? Certainly I'm a pause.
1: Worried. I mean, there, there are so many different… People, groups of people who have been hurt by this pandemic, Yes, people talk pretty quickly about restaurants and bars. Mm -hmm. That's an obvious. But there's all kinds of subsidiary uh, people, and uh, musicians have been just wiped out by this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were already – it was already hard enough. Uh, Yeah, if you weren't, you know, top 1%. Absolutely. I mean, you can't make money from album sales anymore. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just the revenue streams have just disappeared. Mm -hmm. So it was a struggle anyway. And then this has just been horrible. Yes. And then, you know, if you think about it, it's not just the musicians, and it's the workers. theaters. I mean, mm-hmm. the Tennessee and the you can't have shows. How mm-hmm. long can you sustain not having shows? And then it's all the people who support that, all the sound people, all the, the transport people and so forth that go with the big bands and, and even, even down to little uh, local acts. I, you know, maybe it won't permanently stop it because – it's not like Knoxville has a problem and everybody else is rocking right. and rolling. Right. So I don't, you know, our musicians don't have a lot of motivation to move to another place. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just, I'm hopeful. I, you know, if, if there are a couple of things that define Knoxville right now, and I think that we can really be super proud of, it's our outdoor emphasis with the urban wilderness sure. and also just all the, just natural assets we have in the natural world, you know, with, the smokies so nearby but it didn't mm. any house mountain i mean you just got all these sure. things Clinch so river yes <laughs> uh, so you know we've got that and and the other identity i think that we we've really been forming is the music like you say and um you know i, I hope to goodness it comes back
0: yeah I, I i do too it's one of my favorite things to do it is uh, my favorite thing to yeah. do absolutely and getting out and about it, and uh, it's I, I miss it a lot um Alan there's so many things I feel like we could do another hour if we wanted to mm-hmm. uh, but I I I just want I, I want you to know I'm sure people tell you all the time how much they appreciate what you do but but I really do I mean obviously I had you know five moments on you know just today where I where I realized that there was something that I n- intrinsically knew mm-hmm. you know that I knew that I didn't know that that I had gotten from you so thank you for for everything that you do to to keep our to keep our uh our cultural fabric together.
1: I appreciate you saying that. And and yes, I get that a lot. I've been super, super Good. blessed. I, you know, I worked for 15, 20 years as a counselor, and, you know, people don't exactly come back to their counselor and say, you changed my life. Occasionally you get it. But usually yeah. it's like, you know, you're working with people who aren't necessarily bent that way. Right. Uh, as a librarian, nobody ever said, hey, man, that last order you did in the nonfiction section, it rocked, buddy. I mean, you know, <laughs> nobody says that. And so um, that's been a, an, an incredible and surprising gift of this era in my life. I mean, there are people out there who are grumbly anyway, and they're going to say things, whatever. But for the most part, I get thanked by strangers Good. on the street. Great, and that's just uh, – it's very humbling. I've been—I'm one of the luckiest humans in the world. That's how I
0: feel about That's it. Excellent. I'm—I'm uh, I'm glad that after you know a, a lifetime of serving others, you're you're, you're getting uh, to a spot where it seems like some gratification is is That's there. A lot. Yeah. That's a lot. It's great. Thank you so much for being here, Alan. I appreciate it a lot. It's my privilege, and and uh, yeah, if you think of other topics, I'll come back. I would. Love that.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Thank you so Just much. Just ask. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Man, oh man, I had uh, forgotten what a kind and warm man Alan Sims is. It was wonderful to talk to him. I'm so grateful that he came by and it uh, sounds like we might get a chance to uh, talk to each other again one day. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the podcast. I appreciate it a lot. Have a great holiday season. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Please be safe out there. And Matt Honkinen, play me out.